We are in week three of a series called The End. We're talking about end times, and today we're going to talk about the rapture. Now, this is uh, sort of controversial because theologians have different points of view. And I want to say at the outset, you don't have to agree with everything that I teach on a given subject to, to be in fellowship and in harmony with this church. Okay. There are some essential doctrines we need to all rally around, things like the virgin birth of Jesus, the inerrancy of Scripture, you know, heaven and hell, and things that are very clearly laid out in Scripture. But when we start interpreting you know, the minute details of Scripture, you might disagree. You might see it a little bit differently. You might have been listening to someone on a podcast or read something somewhere that leads you down a different path. That is totally fine. But I want to talk to you today about why I believe there is a rapture. All right, and we're going to dig into a few questions that are important. And at the top, let me say, I believe there is a seven-year great tribulation. I talk; it's coming. It's 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 in our uh, it's it's over the dashboard in in our future. And uh, I talked a lot about that last week. I won't go back into that, but I believe that we will be raptured or taken away. Uh, Jesus will take us home to be with him before the seven-year great tribulation period. Now, a lot of people think it's going to happen in the middle. Some people think it's going to happen at the end, and and you're welcome to believe that, or you can believe what is right, what I'm about to teach you. (laughs) Now, this is the way I believe it, and I'm going to show you in Scripture what I believe, okay? Four questions. The first question I'm going to answer, and you've got notes there with lots of blank lines, so anything you're learning, anything you want to remember, write that down for later. Is the idea of the rapture biblical? And what does that mean? What does the rapture actually mean? We'll start right there. First Thessalonians 4 and 13 says, But I do not want you to be ignorant or unlearned, brothers, concerning those who have fallen asleep, those who died in the faith, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that... Uh, that we who are alive, we believers, and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself, here's what's going to happen. He will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Why will they rise first? Because they have six feet more to go. It's the only reason, okay? We're going to go too. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. Everybody say caught up. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Now that word caught up can be translated a rapture. It's the Greek word harpazo. And it means to snatch away or to claim for oneself eagerly. You know, it's kind of what you guys do, you know, when there's one serving of dessert left and you're what you claim it for yourself quickly. All right. Snatch away. The Bible says that's going to happen that we who are alive, followers of Jesus, and we're alive and remain to the second coming of Christ will be snatched away by God. He'll take us for himself. Now let this sink in just for a minute, this reality that it's very possible that many people in this room will never taste a physical death before Jesus Christ takes us home to be with him. Maybe all of us will be alive until that happens. There's nothing I see that would stop God from coming and taking his children home. And if that would be a reality in your life, let that sink in. There have been about 100 billion people who have lived and died on planet Earth. A lot of those died in faith in Jesus. 
but you would be one of the few who lived to see Jesus return. To live to see these end times that are prophesied we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks that would be alive during the crazy 20, like why would God have you alive? You have to ask that question. If I'm one of the few, the very small number of people who would be alive at the second coming of Christ or would be alive during the craziest time, why me? Why am I here? I want to go and tell you, it's not just so you could post funny 2020 memes on social media. Those are funny. Keep them coming. I like laughing at them. But there's more to your life than that, okay? There's got to be a reason God has placed you here in this time. And I think there's a, a really a twofold reason. And that is that you have something and you know someone. Let that sink in just for a minute. Why am I here at this time? Because you have something and you know someone. You have something no one else has. Some gift, some open door, some relationship, some opportunity. And God fashioned your life so you would be ready in the moment that he would call you out to do something that only you could do for a certain number of reasons. You have something nobody else in this room has. And you know someone who is far from God, who you're not sure if they're ready to meet Jesus, and God has you there on assignment. And you, you know what we can do? I've, I've seen believers do one of two things. Believers will either realize their calling, realize the time they live in, evangelize or share their faith with other people. That's the way it's supposed to happen. But all too often they do the other thing. They sit back and point out how sinful sinners are. They point out how true the Bible is about the end times. Oh, they don't say it that way. They say this whole world's going to hell in a handbasket. Can you believe people are going to vote for this guy? Can you believe people are allowing this kind of thing? Can you believe that person? Yeah, I can believe all that. And I feel like God is up in heaven going, yeah, I told you all that. Now get past that reality and ask yourself, then why am I here? And I promise you, he didn't put you on earth just to vote for one candidate or the other or to straighten out all the people who are going to vote for the other guy. It's going to be like that today. Okay. If you wanted somebody to just mark you in lockstep and say everything you're saying about the election, you can just scroll through Facebook and you'll find all your friends saying the same thing. I'm not here to do that for you. I'm here to tell you, you are here for a kingdom that is beyond the United States of America, beyond any candidate. God has already sent a savior to the world and he's not a Republican or Democrat. He's Jesus Christ. He died and rose again. He's the only savior we're going to get. If you think your Savior is going to be in the Oval Office, forget about it. Your Savior is coming in the clouds. His name is Jesus, and we need to be focused on Him in this season. He needs to be the most important one that we're looking at. You have something that no one else has, and you know someone that no one else knows. Share your faith. Well, how do I do that? Do it every way. First of all, live it. Live your faith out loud. When somebody complains about the, the minutia that's going on in their life, you, you know, don't, don't up it by telling them about your junk. That, that's not the answer. The answer is, man, I'll be praying about that. In fact, you know what? We're sitting in the break room. Let's take two seconds and pray about it right now. Man, that's a huge faith win. You might think that's small. I, I don't know. I couldn't pray out loud. Like, I sure you could. The Bible told, the, Bible told the, the early apostles that when you get ready to say something on behalf of Jesus, don't even think about what you're going to say. Just in faith, open your mouth and the Holy Spirit will fill your mouth. I bet a lot of you have already done that. Some of you have already been in a place where you're like, somebody needs to step up and speak out, and, and I think it's me, and you just started talking and let the Lord fill your mouth. You ever tried that? Raise your hand. Come on. I bet dozens of people in this room. You've done that. You just said, I don't know who's gonna, what it's going to sound like. And you know what? Sometimes it sounds dumb. 
I, I'm an example of that. I've said a lot of dumb things, you know. You just say something else and cover it up and it'll keep going, you know. All right? But God has placed you in an opportunity to share your faith with people. And one big way you can do that this week is to take these simple cards and say, man, I would love for you to be here with us. You know, we're having a great series. We're going to be teaching on things that, you know, answer some of the questions about, the, about what's going on in our world. Come wear your jersey. Have a good time. It's a simple way we're making the bar low and easy. It's not the only way to share your faith, but a simple way to do it. Let's keep reading. 1 Corinthians 15 and 50 says, Now this I say, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. So watch this carefully. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, everybody say moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. It's going to happen in a moment. That's a, that's a Greek word, atomos, where we get the word atom or atomic. It's, it's, it's a, it means an indivisible amount of time. You know, a second is like this, one, one thousand, two, one thousand. The second coming of Jesus is going to be way faster than that. It's an indivisible amount of time. You won't have time to prepare or pray or, or change anything or get ready for it. I mean, it's going to happen. Somebody says, what happens if I'm in the shower when it happens? You go to heaven naked. <laughs> Hope you've been working out. I mean, it's going to be really embarrassing. <laughs> no, I mean, there's no time to change. I'll tell you what I tell my daughters, you know, that's why you need to take quick showers. Get in there, get out, save on the water bill, go to heaven with your clothes on. Okay. No, it's going to happen like that. You won't have time to change. You won't have time to undo what you've said or go right or wrong. There'll be no time for that. In a moment, Jesus described the rapture like this in Luke 17. He said, for as the lightning that flashes out of one part of the heaven shines to the other part of the heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. But first he must suffer many things. Check that off. That happened and be rejected by this generation, check mark, that's been done. And as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. This is really important. You want to know what it's going to be like when Jesus returns. He says it's going to be like this. Verse 27, they ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day, everybody say the day. Until there was one day that things shifted when Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. So everything was normal. And then in one day, everything changed. That's really important. And I'll tell you why in a minute. And then go on. And it says uh, in verse, but, verse 29, but on the day that Lot went out of Sodom. You remember Lot and his family lived in Sodom when, at the time when unheard of sexual and other kinds of immorality were happening so that God rained down fire and brimstone. So it says on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so it will be in the day that the son of man is revealed. Look, look back up to verse 28 because I skipped that. And this is very important. Verse 28. Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot, they ate, drank, bought, sold, planted, and built. In other words, they were just doing life. And Jesus is telling us when he returns, there won't be this massive, undeniable change of life so that everybody gets their hearts right. They're going to be doing normal stuff, and then he's going to return. 
and it's going to blow everybody's mind. So, so, so there are a lot of people who would say, well, no, we're going to go through the great tribulation period and then the rapture is going to happen. I don't think that's true because of this verse and others that I'll show you because this verse says it's going to be business as usual, eating, drinking, marrying, building things, you know, uh, buying, selling, normal life. We, we read last week that the great tribulation talks about a time when half of mankind is killed in one swoop. You know, that's not normal. You're not going to be building stuff. It says that all of sea life is destroyed at one time. Okay. You're not going to be getting married. You know, you know, you, certainly not a beach wedding. It's going to be smelly out there. All right. So it's not going to be normal stuff. Okay. It's going to be pretty crazy. And now Jesus tells you how it's going to go down in verse 34. Skip ahead to 34. I tell you on that night, the day of the return of Christ, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken. The other will be left. Two women will be grinding grain together. They'll be at work. One will be taken and the other is left. That word paralambano, that, that word taken is the Greek word paralambano, and it means to take to oneself. There's going to be a taking of one. It's a selective rapture. One taken and the other one left. Two people are sleeping in the same bed. One goes to heaven, one doesn't. Gentlemen, I don't care how holy your wife is. She may be the next Mother Teresa. You won't go to heaven on her faith. Won't ever happen. The Bible said it right there. Ladies, you might have married the next Billy Graham. His faith will not get you to heaven. One will be taken and the other will be left. There is nothing more important in your life right now than making sure you are ready to meet Jesus. Two people grinding grain together. I don't care who you work with. I don't care who you work for. You could, there will be people who work literally in a church and they will be left. This verse proves it. I want to be ready to go when he comes. Can I hear an amen to that? Now, Jesus tell, told us what he's doing. You ever ask yourself your question, what's Jesus doing right now? Well, he, he's ready. He's the one that's coming to take us. What is Jesus doing right now? John 14 and 1, he told his disciples what he was going to be doing. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, the Son of God. In my Father's house are many mansions. I can't wait to see a house that's got mansions inside of it. Just, you know what I'm saying? That's going to be amazing. And if it were not so, I would have told you. And here's what he's doing. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive, same word as taken, paralambano, to take quickly you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. What is Jesus doing? Jesus is right now in the Father's house preparing a house for you inside that house. He already knows what you need. He knows if you like fluffy pillows or firm pillows. He knows if you need room for your dog to go to heaven. I don't know if that's going to work or not. You figure that out. Uh, he is preparing a place for you. In fact, this whole thing is um, Jewish wedding language. I, I think we have, you know, we have westernized and Christianized the Bible, but never forget that Jesus is a Jew. I didn't say he was a Jew. I said he is a Jew. That's why it's always so important that we treat the Jewish people with honor as the people of God. Can I hear an amen to that? Very, very important for, for believers to do that. Your Bible, every page of it was written by a Jew, okay? And so it comes, it comes to us from a Jewish uh, context, a, an ancient Near Eastern Jewish context, really hard for us sometimes to wrap our brains around. But when Jesus talks about coming to take us away, he's using uh, language that the early readers would have understood easily. It's Jewish wedding language. All right, and so uh, in, 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 and that's why he calls us the bride of Christ, and he calls himself the bridegroom. 
He, he loves us that much that he's eternally marrying us as, 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 as one with Jesus Christ. And when he says he goes away, it, it's very much the same way that a man would be betrothed, almost engaged uh, uh, to, a, to a woman. And he says, this is the woman I'm going to marry. And then he goes away and he prepares a place for her and him to live. And then when that place is prepared, he comes back to receive her to himself and he takes her. God, Jesus is using this language and he's saying, I'm going to take you with me. I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you with me. Now to the people who believe that, well, we're going to go through the great tribulation. Let's just continue that wedding analogy that Jesus is using. Ladies, for just a minute, um, what if you were single and the, the, the perfect man wanted to date you? And I mean, he had, he had loved God. He treated you so well. He looked just perfect. He had those eyes you could stare into and get lost. Tall, dark, and handsome, everything just right. And he asked you to marry him, and you were like, yeah, you know. And he said, okay, I'm going to go prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to take you home, and we're going to get married. But first, I'm going to give you to another man. He's going to be the worst man in all of history. He is the personification of evil. He's called the Antichrist. You're only going to be with him for seven years. He'll abuse you horribly, and he'll probably kill you, but it's going to be great at the end. You going to marry that man? I don't think that's what Jesus is telling us. I don't think he's telling us that you're going to go through this torture, this hell on earth, and I'll show you some more scripture about that later. So here's a second question. If there is a rapture, then why a rapture? What's the purpose of the rapture? Well, I think the overarching reason is to unite us with Christ. Because really throughout the Bible, there is a, a consistent narrative of choices. That you can choose the world or you can choose Jesus. You can choose the things of this world or you can choose the things of the kingdom of God. And you see that over and over again. You get to make your own choice. And so when we have made him number one in our life, when you have chosen Jesus above everything else in your life, you can rest assured he has chosen you and you're going to be uh, raptured and united with Jesus. And you're going to also be delivered from the wrath to come. That's the other reason. Why is there a rapture to unite you with Jesus and to deliver you from the wrath that is to come? Now, the, the Bible says that one thing will never change. Sowing and reaping will always happen. There are four things the Bible says never change. One of those is sowing and reaping. Grace, Jesus, the future, your life. Sowing and reaping is always going to happen. You sow seeds of sin, wrath has to be paid for that. Now, those of you who know Jesus as your Savior, he has paid your debt, and he took the wrath of your sin on his back on the cross. You wonder why it's got to be so bloody, why it's got to be so awful, why has it been so... Because your sin, you and I deserved that wrath. Can I hear an amen to that? Every one of us did. And, and, and so you, you sometimes you look at things in this life and you say, well, it's just not, this life's not fair. If God is real, why has he allowed this person to prosper? If God is true, why is this sin not punished? Let me tell you, that sin is going to be punished. There's going to be a great day of wrath, and the rapture is what takes us away from that wrath. Let me read you a little bit about that wrath to come. Revelation 16, uh, 6, beginning in verse 15, about the tribulation. During that time, it says, the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, Every slave and every free man, all people hid themselves in the caves and the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us. That's how bad it's going to be. Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb of God. 
For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand it? Here's what's going to happen. I believe there's going to be seven years of wrath and punishment on this earth, and those who know Jesus will have seven years in the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's the choice I want to make. I don't know about you, but I'm going on the first busload out of here when Jesus comes. Can I get an amen? Not waiting to find out who was right and who was wrong. Some of you think, well, we're going at the last or we're going to go at the front. I promise you, when you and me are floating up in the sky, you'll be high-fiving me. You won't care whose theology was right. Can I get an amen? All right. So we're going, I believe, before all of that takes place. And Paul calls, uh, writes here in 1 Thessalonians 1, For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, and how you, this is the important part, how you turned to God from idols. So this is the overarching story of the Bible. There are idols to choose. You can, you can say, my work, my money, women, men, pleasure, sex, you know, a, a good time, sports, alcohol, any number of idols you can live for. You can live for the bottom line, your financial outlook. But the, the, he says in verse 9, you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us, what's the next word? From. Say it with me. He delivers us from the wrath to come. It did not say he delivers us through the wrath to come. It says he delivers us from the wrath to come. So you can live your life in a way to embrace the idols of this world, be in love with everything else everybody else is in love with. Social media can guide your future, how you live your life, what pop culture says can be your guide. That's the idol of this world, and there is wrath to come for that. Or you can, you can reject that idolatry and embrace the Jesus Christ who is to come, and the Bible says he's going to deliver you from the wrath to come. I think the choice is obvious. Can I hear an amen to that? It goes on in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 2 says, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. As you read this verse, these passages, there's a they and a us. All right. I want you to help me with this. I want you to notice every time he talks about they, those are the people who did not accept Jesus and us, you, that, that's the ones who did. So I want you to say it with me. Uh, when you see the word they, say it out loud. Verse 3, for when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape. But, say it with me, you, you believers, you in faith, you brothers and sisters in faith are not in darkness so that this day of the Lord, day of punishment, shall not overtake you as a thief. See, it comes as a thief in a night for those who are not believers, but we, we're ready for it. We're, we're expecting it. And verse nine is, is it really what I believe tells me we are not going through the great tribulation for God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're not appointed to that wrath who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, Comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. Whether you wake or sleep. Now, I had somebody on the first week of this series catch me outside uh, under the patio and, and said, you know what? I haven't been able to sleep. I have worried about this. I've been listening to different teachers and, and it's freaked me out. And You know what? You, you should go to bed at night with great peace in your heart because the Bible says whether we wake or sleep, we're going to live together with him. 
If you're listening to somebody that is making you fearful about the coming of Christ, it's one of two reasons. Number one, it might be that you're not ready. You've not surrendered your heart to Jesus. Number two, it might be you're listening to the wrong person. Okay, because the truth about the end times, this Bible, I told you on week one, this Bible is called the good news. Everybody say it with me, good news. And the good news about the end times is the best news of the good news. That is that the people of God are going to be taken home to be with Jesus. And so shall we be with him forever and ever. Can you praise him right now that he has prepared a place for you? That's the good news. It didn't say he's going uh, he's gonna to deliver you through the wrath to come. It says he's going to deliver you from the wrath to come. And he goes on and he says, comfort each other. What you ought to be hearing when you hear the end times message is comforting to you because you have chosen not the world, but you've chosen Jesus. Now, again, the Bible says over and over again, it's a binary choice. You can choose this world or you can choose God's kingdom. Watch Jesus talking about the same thing, Luke 21, 34. But take heed yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing. That means, you know, mindless living, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. Be careful you don't weigh your heart down with things of this world. Let me just stop for just a minute. I, I, I only have a little time to preach, but I, I can't let this go by. Many of us, our whole day is consumed with stress and fear about tomorrow. We're worried about so many things. And if you were to ask yourself, what of those things that you're worried about are eternal? The answer would be none of it. And Jesus said right here, look at it again. Verse 34, don't be weighed down with things or cares of this life. If you are that day, the day of the Lord will come on you unexpectedly for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the earth. Watch therefore and pray always. You're going to like this, but now that you may be counted worthy to say the next word with me to escape all those things that come to pass and to stand before the son of man. Some people are like, I don't like how pastor Jerry is preaching about the end times. He's, he's preaching an escape gospel. And I said, Yup. Right there in your Bible. It's Jesus. You know, it, it's not anything new for me to be, you know, talked about as a preacher because you know what? Most of the time that somebody talks about me as a preacher, it's because we're preaching and living exactly what Jesus wants us to live. Jesus was radical. His teaching was, uh, was radical and not accepted in his day. And honestly, people who hang a cross over their, over their church and over the steeple often don't accept the radical teaching of Jesus even in 2020. Jesus said, everybody's welcome at the foot of the cross. Come unto me all. Everybody say all. All ye who are, are weary and are burdened. He said all those people. Now, does all include sinners? Does all include people that don't vote like you? Oh, yeah. Does all include people that don't dress like church folk ought to dress? Does all include people who did something shameful on Saturday night? Even they try to come to church. Does all include people who are gay? Yeah, all people, people who don't live like you, people who don't, 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 don't believe like you, don't vote like you, don't think like you. Jesus said all those people come. And here's what I've learned. If we'll do the loving, Jesus will do the changing. You don't have to change anybody. If you've ever tried, it is a losing proposition, by the way. The, 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 the one person you might be able to change through the help of Jesus Christ is you. Leave the rest of it up to the Holy Spirit. I'm meddling now. It's not in my notes. This is free material. You will not be charged extra for this. 
bonus material, okay? Jesus says, you're going to escape. That word escape is the Greek word ekphoego. It means to flee away and escape to safety. He did not, again, say, pray that you'll endure the wrath that is to come. He said, pray that you will escape the wrath to come. Pray it with me right now. Lord Jesus, help me follow your word so I can escape the wrath to come. You just did what Jesus told you to do. Those are the kind of prayers. Focusing in on his word, living his word. Now, some people say, well, you know, the people of God are going to go through the great tribulation, but they'll be protected. Just as the children of Israel were protected during the 10 plagues that fell on Egypt, they, the, the, the land of Goshen where the Israelites lived was protected. That's, a, that's an interesting idea, but it's not supported in scripture. People who, that, see, there will be believers uh, during the great seven-year tribulation period. There'll be believers because there'll be people who hear the gospel and they don't accept it. And then when the rapture happens, they'll realize Man, I need to receive Jesus. They'll pray. They'll become believers. But here's what the Bible says about those believers in those days. Revelation 13 and 5. And he, he's talking about the Antichrist, the, the man of sin, was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and all those who dwell in, he in heaven. And it was granted to him to that man of sin, to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given to him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. Revelation 20 and 4 says he beheaded the believers in Jesus. Daniel 11 says they will fall by the sword to the Antichrist during the great tribulation. Daniel 8 says he will destroy the holy people. There will be people who uh, believe in God. There, there will be people. That's why it's so valuable and so important that you take these two little cards that we give you on the way out and invite family and friends so that they will hear a relevant, on-time, anointed worship experience with a message that invites them into to, to the kingdom of God because there will be grace, but it'll be a severe grace. It'll be a painful grace. And the Bible tells us specifically 144,000 Jews who did not believe who Jesus was will recognize and accept Jesus as Savior, but it will be a, a torturous period of time. I am so out of time. Look at your neighbor and say, listen carefully. Number three, will children go in the rapture? The answer to that is absolutely up to a certain age. Okay. Now, the, the Jews believe that there's an age of accountability. At the age of 13, you become accountable for your own actions. I believe there is an age of accountability that is somewhere around that time frame. I believe that children belong in heaven. Children, heaven is full of children because every aborted child is in the presence of Jesus right now. There's no question about it. Heaven, hell was not made for children. I, I've got a seven-year-old, and, and, you know, he does not act very Christ-like very often. But I'm, I'm teaching him. Sometimes he's very Christ-like, but sometimes he's not. And I'm teaching him to get there, all right? And I'm not in, in the least bit worried that he's not going to go to heaven. If Jesus comes back tomorrow, right after he did something really ugly, he's going to heaven, okay? But he's going to have a time where he answers for himself. And that is why every teenager, you need to listen to me very carefully. The mo and every young person, the most important thing for you to be doing right now is aligning yourself closely with Jesus Christ. You're heading into, if you're a teenager or a 20-something, a season of life where you'll be around people who will run away from the gospel run away from the truth of God. If you go to college like I did at a secular university, they'll tell you you are a fool for believing that kind of stuff. It's not truthful. It's a fairy tale. It's a myth. You need to cement your faith in God right now. And if you're a parent, 
you're a parent of a, of, a, of a young person, it's so important that you lead them to the presence of God. Your number one most important job is to do that. Listen, your children can go to heaven without living ever in a big house or you making a lot of money. Your children can go to heaven if they never make the baseball team, the varsity. They can go to heaven if they never have the newest iPhone or never have the newest clothes to wear. They can go to heaven if they don't, you know, play in 18 different sports. They cannot go to heaven if they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you a really tough question. I hope I don't offend you. Two questions. Number one, how much time are you spending on things that will not get your children into heaven? And how much time are you spending on things that will? Sports are wonderful. My kids play sports. They, they play for Christian coaches that really help lead them to Jesus. That can be a wonderful thing. I'm not against those things. It can be very helpful. But you ought to be focused as a parent on leading them to Christ. I've been a pastor long enough here for 20 years to watch children grow up. Watch how they've lived their life after different kind of parenting styles. And you know what? One of the best things you can have your children to do is to be close to other godly voices. Here's what's going to happen. There's going to come a time in your life as a parent, you have a 24-karat gold nugget of truth that you hope your children will listen to, and they're going to throw it in the ditch and not listen to you. Oh, not my Susie. She's wonderful. Just wait. And in that moment, I'm praying and hoping that they've come alongside someone else who is godly. Because I've seen it a hundred times. They won't listen to what you say, but their youth pastor will tell them the same thing and it'll be life and they'll receive it. Their children's pastor, their small group leader, a godly friend on the worship team with them, somebody in their life, a greeter who they've come to know because they served in the greeting team, somebody else in their life, you ought to be driving them as close to the church of the living God, the people of God, small groups, connecting them with other godly people so that they've got someone else to lean on in that hour. I hope that wasn't too harsh. Look at your neighbor and say, that wasn't too harsh. Come on, talk to him. Say, he's actually a really nice preacher. Say it. <laughs> he's my favorite. Just keep talking. Ain't he good looking? Just say that right there. Didn't it make you feel better? Yeah, okay. Last answer, number four. When is the rapture? It's going to be today, right after the offering is received. <laughs> better give a lot. <laughs> No, no, the Bible clearly says nobody knows the day or the hour. Anybody who tells you they know when is lying to you. Don't believe them. But it didn't say we didn't know the season of time. In fact, he tells us the season. This is the season of time. And you should hope he's coming back today. You should hope he's coming back today. And really, if you don't hope he's coming back today, I want to ask you real sincerely, why not? What is it that you are waiting on? Well, I just, there's some things I want to do. I want to, I want to live my life. I want to do, what you're telling me is that I've made you um, a reservation to stay at Embassy Suites, but you want to stay one more night at Motel 6. Really? There is nothing you need to do on this earth that compares to what is waiting for you on the other side, if you know Jesus. If, if you can't say, I hope he comes back before church is over today. I hope he comes back today. If you can't say that, ask yourself, what are you waiting for? Change whatever you're waiting for right now. Let me tell you the last thing Jesus said recorded in Scripture. 
And then we're going to pray together. The very last words on the last page of the Bible, all the way down at the bottom. Revelation 22 and 20. Surely I am coming quickly.